Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hey everybody, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nerdgasm Network. Thank you for being the 800th follower of the podcast. And good lord, here is your pick. Uh, for this week's movie, uh, you can follow them uh, at uh, Podcast Nerdgasm, N E R D G A S M, on Twitter. And on with the show. It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. What happens when you take rednecks, mix them together with campers, non-sequiturs, and radioactive moonshine? Why you get... Redneck Zombies. My baby left me And I'm so blue My heart is aching My brain is goo I get drunk and wander From down till down I am just a redneck zombie since you're gone Well, I can't think And I can't feel But I can drink And cuss and squeal Oh, bitch, without you My life's doo-doo I'm a blue dick redneck zombie without you. Why, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Oh my god. Uh, To be honest, I'm kind of putting this movie off for a little while. I think I originally said that I was going to do this in July and then I was like, Oh, versus month. Um... yeah, let's do that first. I want to make sure I get that done because I have everything lined up and we can do that. It'd be great. Uh, and then um, I might even said it was going to be in June. And then I was like, fuck, sci-fi month. I need to do some sci-fi movies instead of this. Um, but alas, here we are. We're finally at the time for redneck zombies. And good lord. Um, if you've never seen this movie, and this movie came out, uh, I believe... Uh, in the 80s, in 1987 to be exact. And it was distributed by Troma Entertainment. And I'm not trying to dig back into the Troma well again, okay? This was actually suggested by uh, Nerdgasm Network. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's <laughs> we're going to dip a little bit. But it was only distributed. It actually wasn't created or it wasn't done by Lloyd Kaufman. Or, it has nothing to do with those guys. 
It, it was actually the first film really to be done straight to video and also supposedly the first film being shot entirely on video. So when you watch it, there is this definite like indie feel to it through and through. And I just happened to find a version that was the director's cut of the film. And I really don't know what that means, to be honest. I've never seen this film before. This is the first time that I'm seeing this. And maybe the first time that any of you have ever even heard of this film as well. And you're kind of experiencing the same thing through my whole podcast, you know. Do I want to see this? Do I want to take the time? Uh, and there have been a couple times where I've told you that, hey, maybe you want to stop the podcast, you want to go watch the movie, and be done with it. Um, this is not one of those. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest with you here. Um, it is a difficult film to get through, and you'll find out why kind of going through uh, the movie in general, and I'm gonna be kind of skipping around maybe a little bit more than i normally do and maybe skipping some parts that uh you know if you were watching the film be like okay you know why doesn't he talk about this um it's mainly because there's so many parts that don't make any fucking sense why they're in this movie at all like it really feels like padding uh, and there's so many non sequiturs throughout the film where it's just like, why do I need this? Why do I need this 10 minute, five minute, even sometimes just minute long scene in this movie? And even with the premise that you've got going for it already, you know, you think that some parts of it would be fun. And I'm not saying that some parts of this movie aren't fun, but it's really a trying film. I haven't really been tried by a film in a while, um, except for <laughs> Thanks Killing 3, where I really felt like I just kind of wanted to turn it off. But then something would come up, and it would get me interested in the film again, and then it would go into this weird area, and then I'd be like, why am I watching this? And then all of a sudden I'd come back, and it would bring me right back into it. So I've, I've got this weird... I don't know if you want to call it like a love-hate relationship. It's more of like a uh, hate-interest relationship. Like, I'm interested to see where it goes, but I don't know if at that point I like the movie or I don't like the movie. And ultimately, uh, you'll find out what my opinion is at the end of the podcast. Because that, my friends, is the tease, right? That's the reason why you're listening to the whole thing. Um, Or, you know, you just want to hear about shitty movies i don't know why the fuck you listen to this thing i know why some of you do but i don't know why everybody does and uh again i appreciate it so without further ado instead of me starting to explain uh what the film is going to be about uh why don't we just go with the credit scroll which happens to be read by somebody in late 1986 A 55-gallon drum of highly toxic experimental chemical warfare nuclear waste was rumored to be missing from a high-security warehouse facility at Fort Henry Dicker, Maryland. After many denials, it was finally admitted by top Pentagon officials that indeed one drum of the biohazard was unaccounted for. Fort Dicker spokesperson Brigadier General John Gillis maintains that this barrel poses no human health threat. Retired Fort Dicker scientist Dr. Roger Soriano, when asked to comment, replied that this one particular barrel 
could mean the end of life as we know it on this planet. First off, I do want to apologize really quick before we continue. Uh, the sound quality is going to vary. It was, uh, these clips all come from uh, YouTube, basically, where I watched the movie. Uh, and I tried to clean them up as best I could. But every while they're going to get a little funky, so please, I, I do apologize. But luckily, you're going to be able to understand some of it. Uh, one, I have no choice. I can barely understand it, and you'll understand when you hear it, too. So from this explanation, at least from the beginning of the film, we're led to believe that this barrel of radioactive goo, um, it's either going to cause the end of the world or it's going to be perfectly fine. Which one it's going to be, don't really know right now. But, of course, since this movie's called Redneck Zombies, you're assuming that the scientist here, who both of these guys, I don't think we're ever going to see or hear from or talk about ever fucking again in this movie. You might be able to hear from the general, I think, at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, uh, for the most part, it's just a random kind of intro to kind of draw you into the film. Right? So you know exactly where things are going. So we look upon this hospital or a sin asylum, whatever it is, and we go inside and it's got like some like Sam Raimi inspired type of camera movement where the camera moves fast through like the outside until it goes inside the hospital and kind of focuses in on a couple people. One of the weird people that it focuses in on, some guy in the wheelchair, and they show him and he's burning his arm with a cigarette. And if you're in a sin asylum, and the guy's got literally either, like, it's track marks because they think he's a fucking heroin junkie, or he's been burning himself, obviously, with a fucking cigarette. And why would you give that guy, like, his cigarette still? Like, hey, look, I'm burning the crap out of my arm, uh, but this is totally normal, right? Oh, yeah, well, here, keep your smokes on you. Maybe they just gave him the smokes, but they didn't bother to, like, light anything. But then how did he light this one? Because he's got one that he's smoking, and then he burns his arm with it. Like, okay, so somebody obviously lit it for him, and then he just, you know, couple puffs and then stab, stab, stab. Ooh, look, the smell of burning flesh, how lovely. Mixed with a hint of tobacco. Oh, maybe they're menthols too, so there's a little bit of mint that's going on with that. So, from there, we're introduced to two doctors, and they're talking about one of their patients uh, as they're walking through the halls of, I guess now, I'm saying this is an asylum. So that's her, huh? Yes, quite a disturbing case. And what's the prognosis? Our patient seems to be suffering from an acute affective paranoid psychosis with complications of schizophrenic melanomic edema. At least that's the preliminary indication. Well, there must be some way to break through it. What the hell happened up there? No one knows. But whatever it was, it must have been the epitome of horror. Well, do we have time for nine holes before surgery? Oh, yes. Let's play at your club. Mine doesn't allow Jews. And there you're going to get a hint of what the humor of this film is going to be. Uh, it's going to be edgy for the fucking obvious reasons of being fucking edgy. Like, there's points in this film where I'm like, okay, I'm down with it. Like, there's stuff, stuff that's relatively funny. Like, actually funny. And some stuff is really... Uh, for this type of film, I guess you can say, is well acted. Uh, and we'll get into those characters as the time comes. But then there's things like this, where there's... It's juvenile humor at the same time that is like... 
really like a 10 year old could have written some of these jokes like haha i think that's funny and it's gonna be so fucking edgy oh we're talking about jews uh it's just like okay like you laugh at it right but at the same time it's just kind of like eh, does it really need to be a part of the film uh and we get those types of jokes constantly throughout the film in general so of course during this talk between the two doctors the wheelchair guy is sitting there and he's already tossed the cigarette that he's just burned himself with and he's got a fresh one that he's got in his mouth and of course the doctor goes down and fucking lights it for him. You can't see all the fucking burn marks on his arm? Like, and that's a fucking thing that happens constantly. Not seeing burn marks, but not seeing things until like either much later or when it's convenient to the way the story is going to move on. But here... He obviously recently just did it. There's got to be a smoldering fucking cigarette on the floor there and a big fucking red mark on his arm. Of course, the makeup, you know, is terrible here and it's just a purple mark on his arm. So I guess if I was a doctor and all I saw was a purple mark, I would be like, "Eh, maybe he's got a fucking cold, you know? Oh, measles are coming. Um, I, I don't know. Somebody whacked his arm with a dick. I don't fucking know. He didn't burn himself. Look, it's not red, and it's definitely not bleeding or pussing up. So shit, fuck. You want to light in your cigarette? Here you go. Watch out for the one guy that keeps slapping you with his dick. Uh, so the, from there we go inside uh, a padded cell, and we see one of the heroines of the film. Uh, and slowly it fades out, and we get the redneck zombies uh, title card plus the music the wonderful music you heard at the beginning of the film. And uh, I wanted to play other songs. There are like, I think there's three other songs in this film, uh, but really just takes more time. And they're just too long to be playing for you guys. I'm not even going to put it at the end. You get the end theme, a little bit of it, and you get the intro music uh, that goes on, you know, when the podcast starts. Um but the other two, it's seriously just fillers in the scene because it's like literally a truck driving and you're listening to him sing about redneck zombies. Okay. Either they're part of the same fucking song or they're two other completely different songs to just pass the time. So coming directly out of those credits, we get to see a random army guy. Okay, I don't know if he's a sergeant, he's a private, whatever. He's the one that's in charge of taking the toxic waste from wherever they're taking it to wherever it's going to go. And he's basically driving down the road, about to go through Redneck Town, and he's talking to somebody, but we don't know exactly who it is. It's messy with my head, driving this shit from one dump to another. Just don't make no sense. Can't keep it in Cumberland because it's too close to the river. So it's got to go to a comical where it'll be too close to the ocean. Can you believe that, horse? So now here I am in the middle of redneck nowhere with a few stripes and a short straw playing nursemaid to a goddamn tin can full of chemical toxic warfare waste. Now, do you know what he actually kind of sounds like? He sounds like that one kid from Canada that's all about the, Oh, this is going to be the best, and we're going to get our driving thing, and we're going to go. That's the way he fucking sounds most of the time when he's talking. He's like, we're going to go down to the house, and we're going to go, and we're gonna, we can't put the thing near the land because it's too dangerous, and they can't do it. Like, he's almost Mike Tysoning it, okay? He doesn't want to quite 
get to that level with the lisp of Mike Tyson, and he doesn't quite want to go the autistic route, so he's kind of like in the middle of those two things, and it's really fucking ridiculous. And who the fuck is Haas? He keeps looking down to the other seat, and I expect the camera to pan over or do a like reaction shot of somebody that's driving along with him, but it never does. Instead, what we get is more of the film's humor when we get to listen to Redneck Radio. And you, what you miss in hearing that is you miss the reaction shot of our uh, African-American gentleman who is, plays the army sergeant uh, looking and giving like a like type of face. Not a Tim Allen type of face, okay? This isn't fucking tool time. Uh, but really, he's just like, what? And when he looks at it, it's, it, it's a really horrible double take. Uh, and then he flips off the radio as he's turning it off saying, fuck you. Which seems to be, like, that dude's favorite line to say in the entire movie. Because it goes through, like, two or three scenes where he's just, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck, fuck, fuck. And it's just kind of annoying, to be honest with you. Um, so from here, we get to meet our campers. We still haven't gotten into redneck zombie territory. That's gonna be in quite some time. Um, so these campers have all come together and the leader of the pack i guess is like a professor or some shit like that i only remember one camper's name and that's fucking bob the black guy no there's a couple i remember there's one of them that never talks in the entire movie and i'm just calling him mustache because i don't need to know his fucking name and he has a mustache he looks like ron swartzen before ron swartzen became ron swartzen you know who i'm talking about right parks and recreation guy loves me yeah, okay, you know, you know if you saw him. Uh, but honestly, he looks like chibi version of him. Uh, maybe not so chibi, but uh, definitely like a younger version with the same fucking bowl cut and mustache. And the guy's constantly drinking out of the same fucking like bottle of whatever it is. It just changes colors for the liquid. It could be clear one moment. It could be brown the next moment. I think I saw it pink at one point. It never was green though because green in this movie is reserved for something else. So they're all talking about getting together. They're all kind of shooting the shit with each other. Uh, and then there's one line that they're when they're talking about where to go. And there's a character by the name of Andy that's with the group. And he really seems like an effeminate type of personality. But as we learn later in the film, it's kind of different. Though there are kind of like weird innuendos, which we'll talk about a little later. But he likes to keep himself nice and clean and constantly packed up with deodorant. To which the leader of the group, I guess the de facto Bob Ross looking motherfucker, uh, he goes uh, and asks him about his deodorant. Really, Andrew? Finer than frogs here, Wilbur. Well, come on, Mr. Clean. I don't know why you're always knocking my personal hygiene. The odor emanating from your upper pubic hairs could knock the Terminator off a shit wagon. Maybe you should try some. I mean, what's it gonna do? Make you dissolve or something? You think I should? Yeah, sure. Keep it. Don't worry, I've got plenty. Listen, you were just kidding about my pubes, weren't you? Yeah, sure. Don't worry. Anyway, that'll take care of it. So, your pubes? I can smell your pubes? Like... That's a weird way to talk about somebody's funk. Like, <laughs> dude, man, you smell some... Did you wash your pubes today, dude? Like, 
I, I can smell them from here. Like, I know exactly what pubes smell like because that's the way my pubes smell every fucking morning. I mean, I get up and it smells kind of like a mixture between, like, hot cheese and wax. Uh, that's because I surf a lot, dude, alright? <laughs> like, seriously, it's... there's These are like the college students supposedly coming into redneck country because the Bob Ross-looking motherfucker, he has used to live in the area and now they're coming back he knows the place is perfect place to go fucking camp or something some stupid bullshit like that it looks like they filmed this in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere in like south carolina or something like that or it could be somewhere in the midwest it's very flat there's a little bit of trees and stuff in some sections but it's very out in the open i don't expect it to be like true south like you know say louisiana alabama like those areas where there's much wooded like type of redneckery around there this is open air redneckery this could have even been filmed in the deserts of los angeles for all the fuck i know and it probably was so, anyway, we cut back from these guys after they're already bitching and kind of giving each other shit. Uh, back over to Army Dude. And Army Dude, now you figure out who he's been talking to, and he's talking to a dog that we never ever see again. Dog's wearing sunglasses. Army Dude is smoking a joint, tries to pass the joint to the dog, and ends up burning his hand and crashing in the worst sequence ever. Like, seriously... I think, well, he loses control, the barrel flies off the car, and then he crashes into, like, a high grass area, and it's, I don't know if it's necessarily meant to be a crash, because it's, like, sped up, almost like it's a fucking Three Stooges skit or some shit like that, or it's, like, back in the, uh, you know, silent movie era where they couldn't quite control the film speed, and so everything looked like it was moving faster than it actually was, and so when it pulls over to the other side, I'm expecting some type of really stupid fucking music to be playing, like the Benny Hill theme should be playing right here, do 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 like when he crashes, like something like that needs to, like, happen to make this, like, even funnier than it actually is, because... It's just ridiculous. And that's when he also says one of the most ridiculous lines in the movie. Shit on a toadstool! Wait, what was that? Shit on a toadstool! Shit on a what? Shit on a toadstool! Shit on a toadstool? What the fuck is this? What kind of Mario-ass motherfucker is this? Like, (laughs) I... Who says that? Shit on a toadstool? What does that mean? Man, people in the Mushroom Kingdom don't fucking clean up their shit anymore, do they? Well, he gets off his damn Jeep, or whatever the fuck it is, and goes down and tries to get the radioactive waste barrel uh, back up and into his car so he can go to his destination, wherever that might be. Like he said, someplace by the river. Oh god, is he going to that one self-help guy? No, the one that lives down by the river? I sure fucking hope not. That guy fucking owes me like $200. Took that one fucking seminar of his and all it did was fucking embarrass me. Some fucking Paul McCartney and some stupid motherfucker. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, but So he goes down to get the barrel. And when he does, he runs into the first redneck of our movie. Get off my land. Get off my soil. Uh, whoa, be cool, yo. I just lost some shit here. Uh, and I don't need no revenuers poking around in my business now. Get! Look here, Slim. I just need my barrel. 
Now, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Bitch! That's right, all it takes is one gunshot in Redneck Valley when you're an African American for you to peel the fuck out of there. And honestly, this is probably one of the better actors in the film. I don't know what it is. Every time that there's a fat motherfucker that uh, happens to play some sort of like country hit, whether it's Varsity Blues, Not Another Teen Movie, this film... Or pretending to be Kenny Rogers on Mad TV. When you have a fat guy playing a southerner, it usually works out pretty well. Uh, And he honestly is probably my favorite character in this movie. Uh, And I believe this is Fern or Vern. Uh, If it's Vern, I wonder if he's got an Ernest. Or maybe this is what happens before Ernest meets Vern. You never know. This could have been the start of everything think about it just think about it like he locked himself in the house he lost all that weight because Ernest kept fucking bothering him bothering him and then he used to think about it back on the days where he's a big fat redneck living like a king in the south because he used to run moonshine with his own distillery uh well he um does run our army guy off and then uh it actually one of the funnier moments of the film he misreads what it says on the label of the radioactive waste. Do not open till Christmas. Now, that's not even what is written on the goddamn, like, barrel. It's a giant yellow barrel, and in big letters it says radioactive, and he's reading it there as do not open till Christmas. Okay, that's a pretty goddamn funny joke, okay, in general. It's one of the funnier moments of the movie. And it sets the tone for that character and kind of where they're going to go with the rednecks. Now, again, I'm telling you that he's the best fucking redneck in the movie, and we only see him a handful of times. So he gets interrupted as he's trying to leave with the barrel with the actual, like, I guess, long term moonshine runners. There's a family that's there. And they get into a quibble because Fern here, or Vern, or whatever the fuck his name is. I'm, you guys can correct me later. Uh, but he, I guess, uh, shot through um, their still and destroyed it because he wants to be the moonshine runner for this area. So already we've got our big predicament between the two. And, uh, you know, they are able to leave him alone because he comes up with something quick on his feet. What do you do to our still? Still? Uh, uh, I didn't shoot your still. Anyways, it was an accident. You see, I was walking up the road, and uh, I dropped my gun, and it went off uh, three or four times. You know he promised all the swill they could drink down in the valley before you got into town, and you shot up our still. So now I think we're going to have to use your still to deliver. My still? <laughs> you want to use my still? <laughs> my still ain't no good. You said so a thousand times yourself. Third minutes, you still ain't no good. Tell you what, look, look what I got for you here. Brand new steel. One of them European jobs. Slick, look at that. Start to kick them ribs. Yeah, this still work good for you. So... He convinces them that they can use this radioactive barrel as their new still, 
Which, of course, they do. And we get introduced to the... I don't know. This is the fucking Clampett clan, okay? You got Dad, you got Junior, you got Jethro, and then you got Billy or Bob or where the fuck his name is. But he wants to be called Ella May uh, because he happens to be the gay fucking redneck. Uh, <laughs> there's some joke about, uh, you know, they, they go through a couple different things and... Um, <sighs> There's a joke about him not getting, shouldn't have gotten satellite TV because that's what turned his son fucking gay. I don't, I don't fucking know. But all I know is that's Ellie Mae. And Ellie Mae, he wears his little top like really tied tight. He's trying to look like Britney Spears in the Hit Me One More Time video. He just doesn't have a fucking skirt or pigtails. And he has a beard. And it's fucking stupid. There's also some stupid joke with Fern when he leaves, and I wanted to play it, but I kind of decided against it. It was kind of funny, uh, but it was pretty terrible in general. It talked about how, uh, you know, you better leave before we stick it where the sun don't shine. And he goes, Antarctica? And ha ha ha. And they're like, no. He's all, well, there's penguins down there in Antarctica. And then he runs away from everybody. Uh, and that's when they start looking at the, the barrel, and they get it moved around, and Ellie Mae, she's got to be the one that moves it, I guess, to the camp, even though I think all of them were supposed to do it, and uh, when she picks it up, she loses a little bit of balance, or he picks it, I don't fucking know. Uh, and uh, the, he drops the barrel, and when he does, it flows out and flows into the food that they were preparing in this little clearing that they're li- fucking i don't know living in or cooking in let's say that's where they're distilling the liquor in and that's when one of the sons wonders what's inside the goddamn barrel get the dang thing open up we suppose it's inside paul huh well my guess is that it's either uh, bleach iodine or fertilizer <gasps> oh i hope it's fertilizer i like fertilizer <laughs> me too paul oh what'd i do oh never mind i just get the dang thing open up billy bob LMA, Daddy. I asked you not. See, again, there's the fucking LMA thing. I guess this is the first time you guys are hearing it, but I've experienced already. And we're already about 24 minutes into the film, uh, and yet still no zombies, just fucking rednecks. So while they're sitting there and they're discussing what to do, all of a sudden they're the chimes in the distance of the tobacco man. And the tobacco man has come with his tobacco to make sure that the kids there have what they need. So instead of, you know, the ice cream man that we get in our city life, they get the tobacco man. And we get a sequence that makes no fucking sense whatsoever other than to be supposedly funny and kind of a commentary to show how redneck they are. Because they're so excited to go. They're grown men and they're getting money from their pa to go to the tobacco man. And he's sitting there with a burlap bag over his head. Looking like the fucking scarecrow from Batman Begins. Uh, and looking twice as fucking menacing as well. His eye there looking like a leper. And he starts talking to them all weird like. And he's got this really odd effect on his voice. And it's very difficult to understand what the fuck he's actually saying. And he's basically, you know, getting them, 
the tobacco that they need uh, or that they want. And they all happen to want dip. Uh, so they all get their dip. And then the tobacco man goes into this weird, like, anti-dipping, anti-smoking monologue that goes on for way too long. And I, I'm going to play this audio. And, and most of the, the stuff has been taken out uh, with this one because it went on for quite a bit of time. But the main portion of what I want you to hear is going to be playing next. Uh, but it is difficult to understand what the fuck the tobacco man is saying. You like my dick for a long time. You'll be loving it just for the rest of your lives. And someday, you'll want to stop. But you won't be able to. The bones will start hurting. Start bleeding. They'll wear down and show the bottoms of your teeth. Then your teeth will fall out. You'll cry. <laughs> Just keep on dipping, back in and back in and dipping. Your mouth will start hurting, start burning. It'll grow, it'll get out of shape. And you'll go to one of them big city doctors, and they'll cut half your face off. <laughs> and when it'll happen, it'll kill your sorry Why I like the ingenuity of the scene and kind of bringing it in and showing something like, I don't know if necessarily it's meant to be funny because it's, they're going for the tobacco man versus for the ice cream man. I kind of get that if that's the type of thing that you want to roll with in this scenario. But that whole sequence is just so fucking weird. Talking about how dip is going to fucking ruin their mouths. And when they're dead, the dip is still going to be there. Like... What the fuck does this have to do with rednecks or zombies or the fucking campers even? Like, why aren't we spending more time with the goddamn campers? Instead, I've spent just a little bit of time with them. I've spent some time with the army guy. Okay, I get it. The army guy, because he's the one that drops the fucking nuclear waste so that this whole movie can fucking happen. But where are the zombies? I I have rednecks, hikers, and tobacco man. Okay? Like, and I don't get enough of the fucking red, the hikers. I get, I barely just got some of the rednecks. And that actually has been a, quite a bit more than every other character in the fucking movie so far. Oh, so from here, then we do go over to the campers. And they talk about where they're going to stop. And they end up seeing the place that they're going to be crashing uh, the night at, I guess. Uh, and how they're going to be setting up camp. It's kind of a quick sequence, nothing really exciting that goes on right here, but we do go to the army base where we get to meet the commander-in-chief, and man, is he fucking pissed. Soldier, front and center now! You've lost the barrel. Have you lost your mind? Uh, but... Do you know what's in that barrel? Uh, but... Do you know where you lost it? Uh, yes, sir. Well, Robinson, why don't you go pick it up? Well, sir, it's this fat redneck elephant with a gun. I mean, this fat redneck with an elephant gun. Robinson! Unless you want your ass 
hanging in the stockade. You better get your ass back out there and get me that barrel. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Can I take a couple minutes, sir? For what's in that barrel, you can take the whole motherfucking army. Robinson, where's your blouse? In the Jeep, sir. You're a disgrace to the uniform, Robinson. Dismiss! Yes, sir. So they get really fucking close to each other to the point that I just want to say, okay, just kiss and fuck already. The tension is building up and you guys are so close. All you have to do is just move just a little bit closer and then... Oh, yeah, let's get it on. Okay. Uh, Especially with the fucking bent-up anger, the fucking, you know, army... uh, I don't know, Commander? Who are the fuck his bosses? I don't fucking know. There's no fucking titles when it comes to this shit. But, honestly, it's... Again, uh, this scene makes more sense than Tobacco Man, okay? He lost the barrel, they're upset. Gotta go out and get the barrel because he's kind of an important character to the progress of the movie, right? He's the one that lost the barrel. He should be one to get back. And we're showing a little bit of what he's going to do to go get it back. We also get introduced into the people that he's taking with him, but uh, it's stupid. and They don't really need to be a part of this movie at all, to be honest with you. Uh, from here, we go back over to the Moonshiners, and they've started to distill their moonshine from the radioactive barrel. It's assumed that they've emptied everything out of it, and now they're just using it to distill their moonshine, and it's slowly coming out, and it's all shades of green. So, green for radiation, and green for the moonshine. Um, Then they go over to the campers again, to where the lake that they found, uh, and now they're there setting up the camp and everything. We see uh, one of the campers named Bob, who happens to be an African-American gentleman. Uh, He's on the edge of the lake, and he's peeing into the lake. And that fucker's got a hell of a stream on him. I swear to God, it's got like this really nice arc to it. I mean, if you can consider a P arc to be nice. Uh, and But then it's also got like super mega ultra power. Like, it's just fucking streaming. Like, how can you create a stream like that? I understand if you haven't peed in a couple hours and maybe it comes out a little faster. I know some of the ladies that might listen to this podcast out there are like... I don't know what that's like. It just kind of goes. And for men, it's like, no, you know, you can point and aim. And I mean, he's just creating this like perfect rainbow fucking arc. And it's like, you know what it's like? It's like after you've slept all night and you haven't peed and you pee the first in the morning and it just, I know this is disgusting, but it comes out really, really fucking fast. Uh, and sometimes maybe it sprays a little bit everywhere. Uh, until you get under control, but that's what it's like. But imagine that in a fucking arc. Uh, or it's like somebody just put a hose where they think his penis should be and fucking turn it on and let it go. Like, that's probably a better representation of what it actually is. We cut back over to Andy and uh, the Bob Vila looking motherfucker. And they're basically looking at one of the girls. And they're... Man. They're kind of being, you know, sexist pigs about her. Boy, I'd sure like to knock the bottom out of that. Yeah, bottom, front, sides... You never know. She might turn out to be a nympho. One who gets turned on by big campfires. Well, I got a log she can start with. It's also at this point that uh, Bob finishes up peeing. And then he says, 
it's, it's really weird, okay? Because he goes, like, hey, where can a guy go to take a shit? And then it cuts over. It cuts away. It's really weird. Like, they won't let him say shit. And they say other things. So I don't know if there's some weird censoring that's done in here. There was some weird censoring that was done with the original. They decide that it would be funny if they did that. I don't really fucking know which way that it went. Well, when it does cut away, it cuts over to where Ellie Mae is now being the distributor for all the moonshine that they finished up. So she, he, she, I don't know what the fuck, fucking Ellie Mae. Ellie Mae is driving down the road and sees somebody on the side of the road that she decides that she's going to go ahead and pick up. And it turns out to be some weirdo guy. Here, listen to what happens. Going for Here's a guy's barbershop. Barbershop, eh? You work in that place? Yeah. Yeah, I work there. I'm the shaver. <laughs> you give people shave? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, look. Look. See? Hey, that, that's pretty good. That, that's good. You know, I heard about them, uh, the new electric shavers. No, 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 they're no good. They're no good. Safety reason, they're the best. They're real good, close shave. Hey, you need a shave? My brother, he gives haircuts. He gives me real good. We give you a shave and a haircut for free. I don't need no shave or haircut, but I tell you, if I need one, I'll come right here. And it's at that point that that guy in the car takes the straight razor and tries to cut Ellie Mae's arm. I honestly don't know why this scene is in this fucking movie. Like, again, it's another non sequitur that doesn't make much sense other than to show what the area has become where everything is taking place. Like, just to show the different rednecks that are in this area, in this town, I don't really fucking get it. And it... When he cuts his arm, like, Elimay's arm's not even fucking bleeding. And there's supposed to be a straight razor going on top of it. And he ultimately kicks him out of the car. Uh, to which he yells and says, I'm not going to give you any more haircuts or free haircuts or whatever. And then he drives off. But he before Elimay drives off, the guy with the razor, he takes one of the bottles of moonshine and starts drinking it. And I guess that's where we get our first, like, zombie kind of performed thing. Uh, and it's... I just don't get it. I don't know why it's put into the movie. Like, I was really thinking that be more... I understand the whole thing with Ellie Mae, right? Ellie Mae is going around, and the way that they're going to become zombies is that they're all going to drink the radiated moonshine. You got it from the trailer. You know that it's going to happen in this film. So showing Ellie Mae going around and doing the deliveries is okay. And I guess they're trying to show the quirky nature of where they live and all the rednecks that are in the area. But do we really need to do it? Do we, Shouldn't we just, I don't know, him drop it off, maybe make a couple stupid redneck jokes about people? I mean, there's one uh, in a little while. Uh, but in general, I, I just don't get, like, this type of scene. Like, I can get him dropping it off and doing whatever, but this... And there's another one later that's even worse than this one is. And that one, you're not even going to hear any audio because it doesn't make any sense. You can't make any sense out of the whole goddamn fucking scene. So, anyway, 
I digress here, and we go back over to the campers, and the campers, it becomes kind of a juxtaposition of both the campers and the moonshine makers, where the campers, they basically have a bunch of pot, and they're saying, oh, this is like New Jersey's own. Uh, New Jersey's not known for fucking pot. Fuck you. Take California's own. That's, that's who's fucking known for pot, okay? Or Mexico, or... I guess now Colorado, but not back then. Back then it was still fucking California. We're still the fucking king, goddammit. Anyway, uh, so they're rolling a huge-ass joint. There's a thing that you know Andy's like, oh, it's such a huge joint. And then she, the, one of the girls was, not as big as your penis. Or bigger than your penis. I don't know what the fuck it was. Uh, and then it goes back over to the father and the other brothers that were left with the rest of the distillery to still the rest of the moonshine. And of course, now it's their turn to drink. Eleven cases of swill gone to market, boys. It's still sure better. Now's our turn. Gabe needs first drink, Paul. Yeah, Paul. Let's get loose. <laughs> And so from here, they open up the bottles of moonshine, they start drinking it, and the moment anybody drinks the moonshine, they automatically start coughing up. And that's what they do. It cuts over back to the campers, the campers are smoking their joints, and then we cut to a pair of boobs on a TV screen. And it's a really badly superimposed pair of boobs on a screen, and they could be dude's boobs for all I know. I mean... I get it, you know, you get what you can get for this type of thing, and you're like, oh, well, we need to show some nudity, but it's not even, like, tasteful nudity, right? Or maybe not even tasteful, flagrant nudity, like Freddy versus Jason type of flagrant nudity, right? It's just there. They're, she's running, and, oh, my bra came off, and, and then the boobies all hanging out, and she's running, and everything's flopping in the wind. Everything. No, this is literally somebody, like massaging her boobs on TV and you got these two idiots that are watching it. <laughs> I like knockers. <laughs> yeah, I like knockers too. Somebody's knocking. Yeah, I like knockers too. Oh, shitweed! There's someone knocking at the door! Oh. First off, I've never seen a porno with that type of music. I mean, I've never seen a porno in my life, so I don't know if that music actually works well with a porno. To me, it kind of sounds like clown music. And, you know, since that's fucking, like, clown shit that's going on, I guess the music actually does fit perfectly well. Second, the other guy that's like, I like knockers, too. He's wearing sunglasses inside the house, so is he fucking blind? Like, they look like, seriously, you know, the, the when you look at the three blind minds from the old cartoons back in the day, maybe some of you younger folk don't know about the cartoon, uh, but they had the three blind mice, and they were up to no good, and they all wore these, like, John Lennon type of sunglasses. John Lennon used to be part of the Beatles kids, and it totally looks like he just can't necessarily see, and maybe he's just mimicking everything, so when there was a knock at the door... You know, he just automatically thinks that the guy is talking about boobs. He had that or he's secretly gay. 
uh, and he's only watching this porno with this guy because the hope that maybe, you know, they're both going to get erection. They're both going to be like, you know what? There's no girls here to handle our problems, so why don't we handle it together? And instead, LMA comes by bringing them their moonshine. Uh, and it's, again, like this, even though it's kind of a pointless scene, it's still kind of a comedic scene, and it's not very long compared to that whole sequence inside of the truck with the shaving guy like at least here it's done quick he drops off the moonshine that's it we get a kind of comedic thing with two idiots you know sitting on the couch one skinny one fat uh watching boobs on the tv and then all of a sudden the moonshine shows up like that okay i get it that comedic type thing that's funny that's kind of cool the other thing still no fucking sense just throw the fuck out of the movie now from this we go back over to the camp and we again are kind of shown back and forth reaction type of shots between the transformation of the rednecks into actual fucking redneck zombies finally almost 40 fucking minutes into the fucking movie and then the college students getting fucking high off their ass. The transformation effects are actually kind of cool to be honest with you the practical effects that they do for the scene and they're kind of gross and it's bloody and it does a pretty good job but they use this weird technical or type of filter constantly and that's kind of fucking annoying the way that they're doing that but i'd like to see more of the blood and guts less of the filters and the weird technicolor stuff uh once most of the transformation has been finished we cut over to LMA and she's making yet another delivery to a, uh, well, unto a lady. Hi, Miss Ashley. Land sakes, Ellie May. I expected you to be here last night. Well, uh, we're a little bit behind and, um, uh, and we got a new recipe and, uh, and it's green. I guess that means I get a discount. Oh, I don't know about no discount because, uh, because uh, we built a new steel. Well, all right this time, but I'll tell you, Ellie Mae, if you're going to be late like this again next time, I'm going to do my buying from Fur Merck's. Oh, uh, you don't want to buy from him. Besides, you really like this. Okay, here you are, Ellie Mae. Thank you. Bye-bye. Faster, faster, honey. Look, your bag can wait. Look what's here. And if you didn't hear earlier, there was a baby cry in the background, and that's who Fester is. It's not Uncle Fester, okay? He didn't jump ship, go from the Adams family, finally said, or this is where he actually was. Maybe it was while they were trying to find him before Adams family, the film came, right? Uh, he was out there in the world. He ran away from home. He became a baby. He lived in the redneck zombie area and was, you know, or forced to drink the radioactive moonshine from a sippy cup that his mama gave him from here we cut back over to the campsite because of course at this point it's morning and ellie may she had been going out all night delivering moonshine and the last one was being delivered early in the morning to this mom and her babe uh when we go over back to the campsite one of the girls she has to get up and go take a piss or poo or something uh because she does take the toilet paper with her and walks out into the middle of where the girlfriend or interest of bob uh wakes up looks at her sees her walk off and smiles the fact after she grabs the toilet paper i don't know why the fuck she smiles it makes no sense like are you that happy to like see oh she's gonna go poop that's great oh i'm so excited for her she's gonna go poop 
hey guys, guys, wake up, wake up. Our girl's growing up. She's going to go poop in the woods. <laughs> Brings a tear to my eye. So she goes into the woods to do poop or pee and leaves the whole group. And, of course, she's attacked by one of the zombies. Uh, she basically, uh, you know, gets bitten and kind of torn up uh, to the point that the other girl, she goes on after her. Uh, and then when she arrives on the scene, she sees one of the redneck zombies. Again, finally, redneck zombies. This is at almost 45 minutes. Now we got redneck zombie action. Uh, is chewing on her friend. She screams. She runs away. And as she's running away, guess who she runs into? Oh, now, what do we have here? Uh, uh, now, uh, now, what's a little filly like you doing in a place uh, like this? Alone. In the wilderness, uh, all by herself, uh, in the morning, he, alone. He, he killed my now, friend. Now, 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 a little critter probably scared you. <laughs> maybe you're in shock, but that's it. Now, the first aid book says about shock. says, first thing we're going to do is loosen up the clothes. So here, let me, help, let me help you loosen up the clothes. Now, you just lay down here and let old fur protect you. So, of course, there's some really great little lines in there. Again, I think this guy is the best actor of the film. Uh, and the fact that he's like, here, they say the first time uh, in times of panic, you need to remove your clothes. Uh, that line is pretty goddamn funny. Even the fact the matter, though, is, is that he's going to rape her, right? Uh, that's not funny or kind of cool. But uh, I think the way the guy delivers it is pretty damn good. Well, pretty damn good, to be honest with you. So, he's uh, basically turns around, and then he sees that Jethro, or Junior, or whatever the fuck, which one of them it is. It's not Ellie Mae, right? Because he's still out doing deliveries. Uh, and we see that uh, he is really afraid of him, uh, and actually throws... Uh, the girl at him and runs away. And when he runs away, it's actually really funny. He goes, yikes. Uh, I can't do it well enough, but it's really fucking funny at that point in the film. Uh, she does get bitten and, uh, it's a decent effect, uh, when she's, uh, bitten and he tears off a piece of her flesh, you know, again, for the, probably the budget of the film and how they did the film, the effects actually are pretty good when it comes to, uh, zombie gore and zombies in general. The makeup, not so much, but the gore is actually done pretty well. So now that this girl's been utterly destroyed, we cut back over to Fatty and uh, Fern here runs across where the distillery was and looks at everything. And he's like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I got to get something to drink. Uh, and then he notices something lying on the ground, which happens to be uh, the body of the other girl. And then he believes that there's something to do with that and the moonshine. Ooh, Nelly, that's what I could use a drink. Bad it's just Clemson, Jizz. Mama said not to swear. Oh, sweet mama, take a bath. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I'll be dipped in hog snot. Perish the thought. That's their secret ingredient. Those nasty boys. Well, at least I don't have to put a bag over her head this time. I don't even think about that. 
I really need myself a drink now. So of course he goes and takes a drink of the moonshine, one of the ones that he didn't drop, uh, and then of course starts coughing and becoming a redneck zombie. Then we get introduced to Ma. That's right, Ma of the clan. And of course, she's holding a frying pan and a fucking little baby pig and runs out to the place where they're distilling because they haven't shown back up like they should have from last night. She assumes they've all been out drinking, which is, you know, more than likely true. Well, actually it's true because we know they've become redneck zombies. At least we've seen one of them so far be the redneck zombie. Uh, And then... She goes over there. She doesn't find anybody, but she picks up one of the bottles of moonshine and decides to go back home. Uh, From there, we cut back over to the campers. They've all woken up, and they realize that two of them are gone. Andy, where's Sally and Teresa? I don't know. I've been up a half hour, and I haven't seen them. What? What's going on? Teresa and Sally are missing. Missing? Oh, they're not missing. They just wandered off somewhere. Well, maybe somebody should go look for them. I mean, they could have gotten lost. They're not lost. I don't know what they'd want to go off by themselves for anyway. Well, maybe they're exploring. Maybe they're a couple of damn dykes. Oh, I sure wish I were a Dutch boy. What does it mean that you wish you were a Dutch boy? I don't quite get that line. If anybody can tell me exactly what that means in this context, please tell me. Uh... Not to say I don't get the dyke line or something like that, okay? I get it. He's saying that they're probably, maybe they're going lesbian and they're out fucking in the woods with that everybody. And then maybe the Dutch boy is something to say, oh, well, I'm glad that I'm surrounded by a bunch of men and we could have gotten it on if I were Dutch. Maybe there's something about being gay and being Dutch. I fucking know. Uh, I did back up the scenes a little bit because the mama came out, the mama went looking for him, and then now the mama is actually at the place getting the moonshine and everything like that. Uh, there's also some images of some kids saying, oh, well, let's get the moonshine. So they go out and they drink it uh, on a dare with each other. Uh, and everybody seems to be affected right away to it. But really, kind of the mom, like she it looks like she drinks it and she just drinks it like everybody else isn't really affected and maybe my memory's a little fuzzy with this part but i don't remember her actually having any type of effect when uh she does that and then the other thing is too i want to mention when she's out of that scene she doesn't notice the dead body that's just kind of lying there next to the moonshine like it's obvious it's torn up course i think there's a skull that's near it and she doesn't notice shit and it just takes the moonshine and runs. So back with the campers, and they're out looking for their two friends. And they do run into a clearing. And at first, while they're looking around, I really don't know how they don't see her right away uh, until they finally come across the body. Like, it takes forever for them to even fucking see it, and then they finally do. And the first thing I'm going to do when we find these girls is give Teresa a real good ass chewing. We're not fixing breakfast the way she promised. Oh, this is a fine time to be thinking about breakfast. We must be pretty far away now to hear us yelling for them. They must really be lost. You know, it's weird. It's like everything looks like it's dying around here. Well, if they're playing possum to try to scare us, I... Oh, Lisa, don't look. Don't look. What? Don't look. What? What? What is it? Oh, God, is that a person? Let me go! Let me go! What happened to her? 
So they think that a bear has actually torn her apart, and they worry about where Sally might be, so they go off and they go looking for him. Then we cut back over and we see some type of stock footage of, like, chicks. Not women, but, like, little chickens. Uh, and they're, it looks like they're going through some sort of, like, uh, sorting type of process. Like, when they're born, uh, that either they're going to be grown up for food or they're going to grow to do eggs or whatever the fuck they're going to do. And then we see LMA come into this house. And yet again, it's another fucking, like, non-sequitur scene of the people that live in the fucking town. I understand, like, we've had a bunch of these little ones, and the little ones don't bother me, but this one is a pretty fucking long scene, and it's basically just these, like, there are two murderers, uh, like, mob-type people, not even fucking rednecks, unless they're trying to do, like, the cannibal redneck-type thing, I don't know what the fuck they're trying to do, but you got one in the kitchen that they're delivering the moonshine, there's one girl that's tied up with fucking duct tape all over her fucking mouth. And she's looking at LMA for help. And, of course, LMA is just like, I don't want to be fucking involved with it. Whatever is going on, I'm here to deliver the fucking moonshine and that's it and get out. But then there's some weird dialogue between the guy and he has, like, a butcher's knife and he's doing some other... I don't. I just don't fucking get it. Like, again, what does this have to do with rednecks, okay? I don't think this part has anything to do with rednecks unless you're trying to go for like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre type of fucking thing. And then what does it have to do with fucking zombies? Nothing. And what does it have to do with the fucking hikers? It'd be one thing if maybe the hitchhikers that got kidnapped by these guys and being held for ransom or they were going to do something like, you know, God forbid, rape her or like they were going to eat her. Let's say they really were cannibals and shit like that. And they were getting everything ready to like save her, but then the zombies came in, disrupted the plan that they were going to do, but also the fact that these people were going to kill her. And like, I'm already writing a better part of the script to have this non sequitur fucking scene in this movie, and they do nothing with it. They just try to be weird for the sake of being fucking weird, and I fucking hate it. And, and this, again, this is almost into, like, the movie. We're almost an hour into the movie, and we're still experiencing these same fucking things over and over and over again. And it's just goddamn annoying. So, LMA gets the hell out of there, doesn't even save the girl. Uh, and we go back over to the campers, who happen to run now across Sally's dead body. Sally? Sally! Hey, guys, check this out. Is that a still? <laughs> Sure is, man. They've been making a mash out here since time began. Oh, man, this is too weird. You guys do what you want to do. I'm going over here, and I'm going to freak out. Bob, get your shit together. Look, to hell with this thing. We have to find Sally. <laughs> oh, shit. Shit. What is it now? What? What is it? Oh, shit. So, of course, they find Sally. There's her body. Bob's the one that's able to find her. Uh, and then they all freak out and they figure out, hey, this isn't a bear that did this shit. And they really don't understand what the hell is going on until Andy really puts two and two together and makes everything kind of make sense up until this point. Ending with probably the best, like, cheesy one-liner that there is in this film. Shut the fuck up. Look what it says here. It says, Caution. U.S. military chemical warfare nuclear wastes. Use no hooks. You mean these rednecks are drinking that shit? No, I don't think anyone could be that stupid. But I think the residue from this barrel was enough to set things in motion. A little dab will do you if you know what I mean. Better than you think. 
What are you talking about, Andy? Nick! Look, there were chemicals in this barrel. The chemicals got into the moonshine. You'd think that it would kill them, but my guess is that it just turned them into horrible maniacs. You mean that this moonshine... That's right. Monster Bash. <laughs> it still gets me every fucking time and even here i knew it was coming and again uh pardon me for laughing right in your guys's ear real fast but that's still fucked that like it's fucking uh you know shaggy from scooby-doo zoinks like i'm expecting something like that to pop up every time out of the fucking uh, character bob's fucking mouth at this point in the movie and it doesn't make any sense because he seems like such a normal guy for most of the film. And then all of a sudden now things are going down. It's like he's becoming wacky. And I don't get it. I don't know why. And he's making these weird fucking noises and shit like with these things. And of course he starts blaming the Bob Velo looking motherfucker uh, for taking him to this place. Because he doesn't know what, you know, what it's become. Uh, even though he does understand that they've been making MASH there forever. And making their own moonshine for a really long fucking time. So, of course, Bob and Bob Veal-looking motherfucker, they start actually fighting. And it's the worst type of fighting, too. They're just kind of tumbling along the ground, not really throwing any punches, nothing really exciting's happened. But Lisa, she goes all crazy bitch on them. I don't believe you two. What the hell is your problem? We have to stick together not try and pull each other apart. I don't believe this. We're in the middle of a crisis situation here, and I'm watching the Battle of the Macho Jerks. Well, let me tell you something. I don't care how macho or how strong you are. It's not going to do one thing to protect us from this. Now, Bob, I don't know what the hell your problem is, but you better pull it together if you don't want to end up as tomorrow's blue plate special. And you, you better come to the realization that you have been away from home way too long to know what the hell's going on around here. Now, I think we're going to just turn everything over to Andy, since he seems to be the only one of you assholes who's still thinking clearly. I am right on the edge of clawing my eyes out and in and in slitting my wrists. Now, Andy, tell me, what are we going to do? And of course, it's at this point when he starts to open his mouth that one of the zombies comes in and kills him. Uh, he does spray him in the face with the deodorant and the zombie eventually goes down. Uh, and we don't know quite why. There's also now uh, just a couple people left in the group, right? Because the two girls are dead and Andy's dead. And we got Mustache who, again, like, I don't even realize he's in most of the scenes in the movie because he doesn't do anything. I don't know why he's fucking there. Uh, and I have a feeling that there's some type of, like, cameo thing or that uh, it's like, I don't know, it could be like a Jane Silent Bob or a Silent Bob type of thing where maybe that's the director of the film and he's just there or it's somebody that they just thought, oh, we're going to have him in the film and all he does is fucking drink. He doesn't really say anything. Um, so I'm not quite sure, and I'm pretty sure that somebody's going to tell me exactly what that person is and why he's in the film the way that he's in the film. I'm going to assume that it has to do something with the production company or the writer or something like that, and he's just in there and not to act and just to do whatever the fuck. Or it could just be the fucking character that they're just going to have that guy in there and it's fucking useless and pointless, and we could have done without him 
for almost the entire fucking film. So then when Andy gets attacked and killed by the zombie, they decide that they're going to take the corpse and they're going to run and they're going to go hide in a cave. Uh, we see Bob and he goes to like turn on a lamp like because the cave is pitch black and he goes to clean the lamp but it doesn't fucking clean the lamp like he wipes it a little bit and then all of a sudden it's like he puts the light oh we've got light and it's hella bright light but at the same time the lamp's not fucking clean like he's like all clean and it's still fucking dirty it's completely fucking dirty and makes no fucking sense if you're gonna do that at least fucking like shine it up just a little bit or the side that he did shine up like turn it so that way everybody can see it um or you clean it put it down cleaning i don't i don't fucking know just give me a clean fucking lamp so uh at this point too also Bob, uh, our, you know, African-American gentleman, he's somehow gained a flock of seagulls haircut. Like, it's all feathered and layered and shit now. And it wasn't like that before. Like, he started getting scared and all of a sudden his hair went crazy. So, it's at this point that the Bob Vila-looking motherfucker, he decides that, hey, you know what, Bob? You need to perform an autopsy on this redneck zombie here. Bob, do an autopsy on this thing. No way! Hey, come on, man. You're pre-med. I'm pre-vet! What's the difference? I do autopsies on cats, man! Well, think of it as a big cat. All right. All right, heck with it. I'll tell you. Remember that little piece of acid I was saving? Yeah? What about it? Well, I woke up. And I said to myself, Bob? Bob, I said to myself, Bob? That's, that's me. Bob? Oh, what a beautiful morning. And you may not have noticed it. So he took acid. So the reason that he's acting the way that he is is because he's high and tripping balls as fuck. And this is kind of represented by the way that they go into the cave where there's all this weird trippy fucking bullshit and the fact that his attitude and his voice have fucking changed from what they were in the beginning that he's got these oh, little eye-tip things that he's talking about out the I don't know what's going on. Uh, and it's so ridiculous. They're like, okay, well, let's just leave him. And you're going to leave the guy in a darkened fucking cave where there's redneck zombies about. One, they don't even know that you're there, so maybe you just fucking hang out where you are. And two, he's tripping fucking balls on acid. You don't leave that guy by himself because eventually he's going to do it. And you know what you don't do? You don't have him do a fucking autopsy on a corpse with knives when he's tripping fucking balls too but they do that as well they give him a knife and they tell him to go to town and then he starts pulling pieces of the zombie out and thinking they're different things like a corn the cob and a shoe and i really want to play the scene for you but the problem with the scene is that there's so many pauses and it's so long that I don't want to play like a three minute scene for you where not a whole lot's going on other than he's saying, oh, a shoe, oh, 
Somebody in the Appalachian Mountains is going to need this. Oh, how did this can get in there? At least it's light, but he could at least recycle the can. Like, stupid shit like that. Like, it's funny, kind of, but it's at the same time, like, just ridiculously paced, is what I should say. It really feels like I'm watching, I don't know, an episode of The Walking Dead, because there's just so much goddamn filler in this fucking movie and not enough fucking zombies or you know what people say about game of thrones there's too much fucking wiener and not enough fucking dragons uh so ultimately though he does figure out uh kind of what's going on with the zombies and the the deodorant surprisingly Here we have two zombie hands, which we will call numbers one and two. And we have two types of deodorant, which we will designate types A and B. Now, what I'm going to do is spray zombie hand one with deodorant A. As you can see, the skin becomes wet and sticky. Now I'm going to spray zombie hand two with deodorant B. Huh? My, my, my. Look at that, huh? You might notice that the tissue becomes dehydrated and decayed and and yucky. So, one, I love the scientific term of yucky, and two, deodorant is what's going to kill the zombies? Maybe because they're redneck. Oh, good lord. Why am I just thinking of that shit right now? Again, this is one of those things where this is happening fucking live, people, in the terms of the podcast. And I'm like, when I thought about it, like, why would they use deodorant? Why would they do it? Oh, because they're rednecks and they're not fucking cleanly. And this is the cleaner of the two, you know, they say it has aluminum lasting power, so it makes them not sticky. It would make sense why deodorant would be the end all to kill the fucking redneck zombies. Oh, this is fucking retarded. <laughs> uh, I do apologize for using the word, but it's fucking retarded. Um, so now the zombies are actually coming, and we see LMA go back home, and she comes into where her mom is and sees her mom is sitting in the corner, and then the pig, the poor pig, has been destroyed by the mom, and it cuts away after we see her chewing on the flesh. We go over to now the army guys. We're finally back with him and his two uh, helpers, I guess. One that's an obvious gay guy and the other guy that's super extra hetero. uh, You know, mega nuclear hetero, as they would say in the industry. Uh, And they run across the guy that was with the razor. At least there's a callback to him, right? Uh, And he's standing in the middle of the road and the ultra hetero guy is going to take care of him. Uh, he goes up to him and he starts to try to fight him, but the zombie's too quick. He grabs his neck, tears out his throat, and then just like he did in the car, he takes a picture with his Polaroid of the guy. I think that's really neat, to be honest with you. Out of the kind of good things in this film, that's one of those moments uh, where I actually kind of smiles like, that's kind of cool. Uh, so, it, he dies... And uh, the kind of effeminate gay guy that's inside the truck decides to go out to these other zombies. And he just walks in the middle of them and gets fucking killed. 
Like, what's the point? And he's like, I'm going to go fight you. Like, he's stereotypically gay, okay? I'm not, like, trying to just make things up. But he's really like that. And then, oh, I'm in the middle. Oh, no, they're surrounding me and I'm killing I'm dying. They're killing me. I'm killing. No, he doesn't kill shit. I'm dying. I'm dying. Yes. Yes. I'm dying. (gasps) And he dies and the other guy runs away. So... And, and the, the other thing that's funny is they, they tell him stop, stop, stop. And then he says something in French and the zombie actually stops completely. I should say also the makeup that they're using and the practical effect, again, of them eating the guy is actually pretty well done. And I enjoyed it. We go back over to the campers now. They're outside of the cave and they're kind of running away. And they now have their weapons in the deodorant. And there's only four of them left, right? You got Bob, you got Lisa, you got Bob Villa-looking motherfucker and mustache. Uh, All of a sudden, from over the hill runs uh, the army guy. And we get a really weird scene. And it's not weird because it's like, oh, wow, why is this scene a part of the movie? Uh, I'm going to play this for you and then I'm going to tell you what they did. Kids, run! Who the hell is that? Get out of here! There's a bunch of red zombies back there, and they're coming this way. Oh, it's you. Where'd he go? I don't know, but I think I think we're on our own. No. There's that fucking shaggy noise again. Next, it's gonna be like Shep, man. It's kind of like a cowardly lion type of thing, right? That's That's the type of thing that this guy is fucking doing in this movie. And it's fucking hilarious. And it's because he's supposedly high in fucking acid. Uh, And what I was... The thing that's still weird about that scene, other than, you know, the cowardly lion over here, uh, is that when he said that there's like... It's like a barrel load or busload or buttload or whatever it is of redneck zombies coming this way they subtitled what he was saying because maybe he took him so many times to say it that was the best take and then they put subtitles on it so you knew exactly what he was saying there are no other subtitles in this fucking movie only for that one fucking scene and that is it nothing nada it it's fucking hilarious uh, that they did that. And what, of course, did the guy see? Uh, he saw the fat redneck uh, that he saw in the beginning of the film. Uh, and you get one of the best uh, death scenes in the entire movie and one of the best scenes in general. My, one of my favorite scenes. Because the practical effects for the budget are done so well. And it's the fat redneck killing the army guy. And he doesn't just kill him. I mean, he slaughters him. He like the he's going to attack the guy and uh you got the uh army dude he shoots him with his gun and it doesn't phase fat redneck zombie and this is fern i'm talking about if you didn't guess already uh and then fern grabs his head uh, and then starts squishing his like thumbs right into his face and pops out his eyes from the head of the you know of the makeup uh, and, you know, the head doesn't look the best at that point, but I think the effect is really cool. And if you really want to see this scene, uh, go to my Instagram because it is posted there. Terrible Terror uh, podcast, all one word for the Instagram. Uh, and you can watch the scene unfold. Uh, I'll, I think the podcast also put this on the Facebook page because I think it really needs to be seen. But I worry sometimes about things getting taken down there. Um, 
But yeah, he just fucking squeezes the shit out of the head, and then he ends up completely like vaporizing it to the point that like chunks of everything drop to the ground. There's all the blood, but it looks a little more like water, so that's not the best. But in general, it all looks pretty good for what it is. And ultimately, uh, he does kill our army guy. Uh, from here, we go back over to the group, and everybody's kind of fighting with the dip- different uh, zombies. Uh, Bob is completely and utterly fucking useless. I thought they were going to actually use the deodorant, and the deodorant doesn't do shit. It doesn't stop anybody. It kind of does, I guess you can say. But most of this is the, the end of the movie here, uh, in the last, like, maybe 15 minutes of the movie, is them just going and running away or fighting with the zombies. There's one really funny scene where uh, Bob's not really doing anything and then Mustache is running away from the zombies and he basically pushes Bob back out into the open to be the one that gets grabbed by them. Uh, And Bob then freezes and pretends to be a zombie uh, to where he uh, gets the zombies to go after Mustache and then, while they're attacking Mustache, he throws up because they take off Mustache's arm, I believe. Uh, and that causes all of the zombies that were attacking Mustache to now go after Bob instead. Uh, Bob Vila, he saves Lisa from being attacked by some of the zombies uh, and then ends up getting uh, completely like gutted and then ripped apart like when you see uh, like in the Black Death when Sean Bean uh, spoiler alert uh, gets separated by the horse uh, that's kind of the effect that you get or even from uh, Dawn of the Dead where the the guy again spoiler alert uh, gets it from that the, the set of zombies there as well um and uh, that effect actually looks pretty good. Uh, Lisa, then she ultimately gets away, and we're led to believe that everybody else has been killed. She makes it over to the shack, which again is a horrible fucking set. Like, it's so cheap. You can see, like, the lighting fixtures in the background during one of the scenes of them, like, you know, pushing the, uh, or, or where the light's positioned uh, for the scenes of the set. Uh, she does manage to kill the mom. She's also attacked by the dad inside the house. Uh, manages to kill them both. Poor Ellie Mae is on the table. She's been eaten, but he's also become a zombie at some point. Uh, to where he's starting to grab her and bring her over, and then uh, Lisa stabs him in the head with a spoon. It's fucking that's fucking great. And the way he looks on the table because he's half eaten and stuff. The makeup again looks pretty good for the budget that I think this film has. Uh, the last thing within the house is, uh, you know, she's there and all of a sudden you hear footsteps and I'm thinking, oh God, is there like one more zombie in this place? Like grandpa or some shit? Uh, and no, it's the last brother is coming down the stairs. She's able to grab the gun off the shelf. Uh, and then is able to actually, uh, go all, uh, ash on this guy and shoot him in the fucking head. Uh, and it looks pretty great. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty well done scene for what it is. Um, but now all of a sudden you see things like the baby zombie is out there. He's eating flesh. Um, you have, uh, 
Like, you don't... It's weird that you don't see that all the zombies didn't really follow her, but she's killed the family, the, at least the ones that created the moonshine that infected everybody. Uh, she tries to get away. She does, but then she ends up kind of falling down and kind of shaking and breaking down. And who is she met by but the tobacco man who has not drinking any of the moonshine he's just a tobacco man so he's here like mighty mouse to come in and save the fucking day uh and takes her off he does have a speech um and i'll play the little speech and then also the ending music but there's one thing i want to say because they go back into the asylum after he makes his speech and they show her and she's the one from the beginning of the film and she's all wrapped up in the straight jacket and then they go to the next cell and who happens to be in there fucking mustache mustache survived but you know what he's supposed to be looking like he's using his legs to read a book because his arm is missing and you don't know where the other one is but the book or magazine is completely upside down like it's if there's one thing that you could have gotten right there you could have had it up the right way but that's it then the credits roll and we've reached the end of the film so what i'm gonna do real fast since i've already gone through it we're gonna listen to the tobacco man save the day and then we'll listen to the end song come on missy dark times is here we best be going yes we do we best leave now don't you worry not Tobacco man won't hurt fucking pun is in the goddamn ending song and that's red rick zombies um it's it's not very good to be honest with you it's got some good scenes in it it has that one dude that plays the fat fucking redneck uh i think he's great for what it is uh i'm not saying he's a good actor but he's the best one in the fucking film and you can kind of say bob just the way they goes like he comes off being kind of more of a comedic type of you know presence in the film but it's not very funny uh it goes on for way too long and it just randomly changes because it just seems like he's kind of like the uh fun loving african-american dude and then he becomes super paranoid and scooby-doo like and it's fucking stupid and there's so many scenes that just don't belong in it i don't know if this is because i'm watching the quote-unquote 
director's cut, if that is what the director wanted to bring in, you are fucking stupid. Like, honestly, it doesn't need it. It doesn't need those extra scenes. I don't mind the small little scenes of, oh, we're going to go deliver to where the woman's giving the thing to the baby. Because, you know what, it's kind of funny. At the same time, it's not such a deterrent from everything. It's not like the scene with the guy that's got the girl hostage with the other creeper on the couch. And you you're basically wondering if he's going to kill her he's going to rape her what are they going to do to this poor girl it doesn't necessarily need to be in there and the same thing with the guy in the truck you don't need that either why why does that scene need to be in this film it makes no goddamn sense i understand there's a callback to it later but you could have done that without it i don't see why it necessarily need to be in there but guess what it is so um you know this is a film that I feel like not a lot of people have actually seen. There's a couple of people. I did pose the question, you know, if you have seen this film, what did you think about it? And I didn't really get a whole lot back. Uh, I did get a, the line of the knockers, um, which you know, it is probably one of the funnier things in the movie because it's so fucking stupid and ridiculous. Um, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot to say other than uh, there was one gentleman that uh, told me that he can't believe that I'm going to do this movie uh, and that it's hard. He didn't even get through it. And he's surprising that I was able to get through it. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I always forget your name, but I know you're stationed in Japan. Um, and it's it's really... it's. The question becomes, would I recommend you watching this? Um, you know, it's available for free on YouTube. Uh, you can find it. Uh, and I think every once in a while it goes in the rotation of free movies that Troma does put on YouTube as well. I didn't necessarily watch Troma's linked one. But, like I said, you can find it. Um, and uh, it's out there. But you can also rent it directly from YouTube. So, it's... Uh, it's it's an interesting film. It has potential to actually be a good film, but in general, it's just not. Um, and the fact of the matter that it ends the way it does is kind of shitty. And how did Mustache Man survive? And you know, I just wish there was more redneck zombies. To be honest, there aren't a whole lot of them in there. And when they finally do get in there, I, I guess I should say there there are quite a few of them because we got a lot of bunch of extras being redneck zombies. But there isn't enough. There is enough screen time for those zombies. That's mainly what I'm saying. Like if I had seen more in them, like I really thought it was going to be like people fighting back against them, and it turns out it's not really. Like they're really not. Uh, that much of a threat until like they could have easily hidden the cave they could have just ran off and the zombies would have been out there and nobody would have given a shit but they just kind of go out into the open where the zombies are coming and then they wait for the zombies to fucking show up to kill them it's stupid it's dumb i I just don't get it so uh you know there's probably there's portions of it like i said that are kind of funny and it's just it's not that great of a film. If I'm going to go through our, my normal rating system for the gore, I give this a 4 out of 5. I think some of the practical effects are really good for the budget that it's given. Uh, it is very bloody. Uh, you do see guts and entrails and skulls and shit like that, which I think is great. Um, and that's why I give it such a high rating. But some of them are a little cheesy and some of them are a little, we get little cutaways here and there. Crap Factor, 5 out of 5, primarily for the acting. Uh, so many scenes that are just not needed in this film. The the outdoor shots are basically, even like I said, oh, it looks like it's dead because there's nothing fucking there. Uh, 
I mean, they literally they shot this on a really low button budget in the middle of nowhere, um, and there really is nothing for miles and miles to be seen. And so, it and then when it's like an indoor shot, the set is so fucking shoddy. You can see where like the just black kind of walls are, so that it bl- blocks the fact that they're in some random soundstage somewhere, or that they're using somebody's house for multiple different shots for the movie. Uh, and, and the last one, the fun factor, it's a 2 out of 5. It's got some fun moments, but in general, it was a very big chore to sit through this full fucking movie. Uh, and ultimately, um, you know, the good things don't outweigh the bad things that are in this movie. And the bad stuff is really stuff that does not have anything and any bearing presence on the plot, period. Uh, you take that stuff out, maybe you throw in a couple little funny scenes in, uh, maybe more time with the family, them being goofballs, making the, uh, you know, the moonshine. Maybe that's what you get. I don't know. Something that makes things a little more lively. Or the fact of the matter is, if you turn some of the non-sequitur scenes into scenes that involve the main cast other than fucking Ellie Mae delivering moonshine, like other things, either, like I said with that one scene, they got kidnapped by these crazy people, or something, like the zombies aren't necessarily the... If they're not going to be the main focus of your movie in general, uh, at least make something mixed with the zombies be the main focus of your movie. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so overall, what do I give this? Uh, overall, it is two radioactive moonshine shots out of five. Uh, it just has a lot to work. It is a good base of a movie, and it could be much, much better. And should you see it for free, you know what? I think you should watch it once, just to get your own opinion of the film. Uh, like I said, some of the stuff isn't terrible, but some of the stuff is a chore to get through. So, uh, see it, but your mileage may vary. You might like it more than I do, and you might like it a whole lot less. And the good thing about it, you know, being available on YouTube, you don't have to necessarily pay anything, and uh, you can stop it when you want, and don't have to continue. And you're not going to review it for a fucking podcast, you don't have to sit through the whole fucking movie. So, uh, now, for our next movie, and I do want to, uh, I'm going to do something that I didn't think that I was going to do at this point, but you know what? I'm going to try it. Um, and that is uh, do a review on a movie that comes out uh, on the same day that this is normally released. I normally release on Fridays, uh, you know, every other Friday in the month. And so this time for this release, there's going to be a one day delay because I'm going to go review something that's coming to Netflix. On the 25th of August of 2017, and here's the trailer. All the people that make life miserable, make life dangerous. What if we can change things? written in this note shall die. Shall we begin? <laughs> You're a death god. Yes. What exactly can I do with this death note? 
Put the name down and see what happens. It's not going to solve a few crimes. It's going to solve all crime. Do you think that I'm crazy? I think you're not crazy enough. We could change the world. The killer has taken credit for over 400 deaths. Although we do not know how he kills his victims, we do know he's not some omnipotent force. He's a person. Like you or me. You're the one who flew into the sun. I'm just here to make sure you burn. We're not the good guys anymore. Oh, do you know what you're doing? I promise you, you will not survive. What they want is a god. So let's give it to them. That's right. I'm going to be doing Death Note, the Netflix original film based on the Japanese anime series and manga. Uh, and I've seen some of the Japanese films that are associated with Death Note, and some of them are okay. Uh, I was a fan of the anime. I've never read the manga before, but I felt like for two reasons why I wanted to do this film and why I want to do it the way that I'm going to do it. Now, you know, most, most of you guys have seen most of the films that I do, right? How many times have some of you seen Freddy vs. Jason? Or, you know, maybe you haven't seen Thanks Killing 3, but you never planned to, so you decide, oh, well, I'm going to listen to his episode and get an idea of whether or not I want to see it, because there's clips and I really go kind of in-depth into where it goes. So I kind of thought about the same thing with Death Note. Originally, I was going to do it as uh, two weeks after. So I was going to do one film this week, and then in two weeks, I was going to do Death Note, and then I have the two-year anniversary of the show where we're going to do another film, right? Um, And I decided to say, fuck it. I want to do it when it comes out. So I the way that it's going to work is that this podcast will come out on the day after it's released. So you're going to have to wait one extra day to get the podcast than normal because I'm going to be doing a speed round of the Terrible Terror podcast. Uh, do it as best. And, and this works really well for me because it's very fresh in my mind and I'm not just doing it uh, weeks in advance and getting everything together and then putting it out there. You know, uh, I have a, a very, honestly, a very South Park-like schedule when it comes to doing these podcasts as it is, uh, but this is going to be insane. So, um, on the 25th, uh, you know, I will be watching the movie as I, I suggest most of you, if you like to listen to the podcast and you have a Netflix subscription, cause it's only going to be available there, uh, that you guys watch it either, you know, maybe we watch together, maybe do something else or, you know, um, I would love it if uh, people that are fans of the podcast and do get a chance to watch it, that you uh, you tweet at me or you leave a message on 
uh, our Facebook page. Uh, I'll put up an image or something like that and say, hey, you know, we're going to be watching it. I watch films differently for this podcast than I would for something like that. That's where it makes it hard for me to do like, oh, let's do a live tweeting of the film or a live viewing on Facebook, you know, with my initial reactions. Because really, I take a lot of notes. I do timestamps and all that other shit. And maybe one of these days, um, you guys can actually, I'll do like, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say a live viewing of me watching a movie, but maybe I'll do like a behind the scenes type of uh, video or something of how I do the films uh, and go through my pro- my weird fucking process. Uh, but beyond that, um, I just I want to get this one right away. Like I don't want to wait. I feel like if I wait, then uh, you know people already get their opinions about it, and I know it's this is all just my opinion anyway. But I really want, if somebody's on the fence about watching it and likes the way that I talk about stuff, I decided, hey, you know what, this might be the best way for them to go through it. It will be spoilery. Uh, I can't lie with that, because we'll go through the whole film all the way to the end of the movie, and we are going to play clips like we normally do. So it won't be any different than any other podcast that you've done, and if you decide that you want to watch the movie and you want to do it spoiler-free, watch it before you listen to the podcast. I will say that a hundred times for this one, because this is brand new. This is like if I'm able to go and get a screener of The Dark Tower or... Uh, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming or something, the day that it comes out and somehow I can rip all the audio and I can do a podcast. I would have loved to have done this for The Dark Tower, by the way. But this is the way it's going to be and this is the closest that I am going to get to uh, that specific type of, um, you know, uh, review that it's almost instantaneously. So uh, so this will be released uh, the day after. If you're listening in the future, um, you probably, you know, will have already, you know, known that it's there and see the movie and do that stuff. So, uh, or whenever. So we have everything lined up, uh, for everything to go for this next week. It's going to be death note. Uh, and then the following, you know, we'll do next movie, next movie. Uh, and the two year anniversary of this show is coming up. I cannot believe that, uh, September 23rd is going to mark two years of me doing, terrible terror uh and again i cannot thank the people uh that keep listening to the show that interact with us um and there there are two people again i want to thank nerdgasm uh network there for uh, its podcast nerdgasm uh on twitter for suggesting the film uh and becoming a fan of the show uh i also want to say hello out there to uh, my friends in Beyond the Void and congratulate them on their year um, they, and the fact that they finally got back on fucking iTunes uh, please go check them out on Twitter uh, it's at BTVCast uh, they also help run a Facebook Facebook group um, that is uh, called Do You Love Horror um, it is a closed group uh, but the people that you know give contributions there uh are fucking fantastic uh and you know alex does a good job with keeping content going on uh within that group along with others as well but please uh go follow him on twitter go subscribe to him on itunes listen to the episodes give him a review and congratulate beyond the void on their one year podcast anniversary uh, I know it's been a struggle, especially for them to get back onto iTunes, and now that they've done it, 
um please go like subscribe do all that fun stuff uh and uh you know i appreciate the conversations that uh we have had um and his sense of humor is right along with mine uh and i (laughs) absolutely love it uh so with that all said uh for us you can always follow the podcast on twitter t underscore t underscore podcast go to the facebook page facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast uh where i will post the video up shortly after this has been released of the uh the kill that uh fat redneck zombie fern or ferg or vern or what the fuck his name kills the army guy uh but it is on the instagram which is terrible terror podcast uh you can go there and then you can always email me terrible terror podcast at gmail.com also if you like the show you enjoy listening every week you download the episodes you go through you know the biggest thing that can help me is is leave me a review on apple podcasts or stitcher or whatever and then you know what either send me a message on facebook when you've done it or tweet at me uh because i'd really like to know what you think if you did review the show i enjoy seeing people's reviews uh and again it does help the podcast grow and be seen it is a terrible mistress that all of us have to do uh so please uh go out there and go to your favorite podcasts not just mine uh the other ones that you love out there that probably get a lot more listens and everything but you know give them reviews too because we're all in this together a lot of us do this for a hobby for free uh and i like to know that people enjoy what i do um i know a lot of you listen and i appreciate it uh i truly truly do so that's it for this week don't forget on august 25th watch death note it will be released the day after which is august 26 2017 the podcast for death note uh and we will talk to you later thanks bye guys lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.